Anybody glad you came to church today? Come on, somebody. Anybody glad? Anybody glad we're singing Christmas songs already? Anybody? Come on. Anybody got your Christmas tree up? Raise your hand if you got your Christmas tree up. Anybody got Christmas tree scented candles burning all day, every day, like I do? All right, fewer hands. Who's got all their presents purchased already? Raise your hands up high. I didn't say you had your presents. They're in queue. We get that. But you bought them already. You know, normally on, on Black Friday, there are lines of people out, outside of every store waiting for the best deal for those Christmas presents. This year, literally waves of people waiting for their <laughs> gifts to arrive. All right, y'all can have a seat. Go ahead. Is it okay to laugh in church a little bit? Uh, I thought we, we might need a, a little light start today, given what we all <laughs> endured last weekend. And... Uh, if I could just encourage Ohio State fans, even Jesus was slain. Come on, somebody. And it took him a minute, but in three days, he did get back up. Amen. He did get back up. And so, look, to all you Team Up North fans who are watching, and Jim Harbaugh, if you're watching, just know that a blind squirrel will find a nut every once in a while. We'll hang a hundred on you next year, next year. Now are you glad you came to church, anybody? We are, um, we're glad you're here. We're starting a brand new series today called Heaven in a Place Called Earth. This is a Christmas series for a Christmas season. And I say this every year, um, but I love Christmas. It is my favorite season, my favorite time of year. I love the sights, the sound, the smell of Christmas. I love presents. I, I love all of it. I love the, the, the message, the story of Christmas because it is the message of Christ on earth. Amen. It is, it is the message of the most important piece of heaven, Jesus. How many of you know it's not heaven if there's no Jesus, amen? There, it's not heaven without Jesus. The most important piece of heaven, Jesus who would leave the comfort of his throne in heaven to be born a babe in a lowly manger in this hell of a place called earth. <laughs> that is the story of Christmas. Now, if any of you are surprised that I just said in a hell of a place called earth, maybe your neighbor's surprised. Look, look, look beside you and see if there's a little surprise on their face. If, if anybody's surprised, let, 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 let me just tell you what you learned about that person. They've not lived long enough. Come on, somebody. Or they've had their, had their head in the sand for a real long time. I, I know we, we, we come to church to be encouraged, and I hope and pray you will be encouraged today. But I, I hope you don't expect to go to church and be lied to. And so I would be lying to you if I did not say that at times life on earth can feel like anything but heaven. Anybody experience that? And anybody have some, some challenges, some hardships, some issues, some trials? And especially in this season, Christmas time is my favorite season, but, but it seems as though in this season, people deal with more in this season than, than maybe any other season. The, the sense of loss is magnified in this season. The challenge and the hardship of life often is magnified in this Season And if you're joining us from our Polaris campus or our Hilliard location or Short North campus, I just want you to know it wasn't always this way. 
It wasn't always this way. Matter of fact, life, life wasn't always the way that it is today. The world wasn't messed up always like it is today. There wasn't always a spirit of fear gripping the hearts of men and women and children all around the world like this spirit of fear is. Today, people weren't always crippled by anxiety the way many are today. People weren't always riddled with sickness and disease like they are today. There, there was a time when nobody grieved death because there was no death. There was a time when there was no reason for hope because there was no need. There, there was no need for hope because there was no need. There was no need to help anybody because nobody needed help. There, there was no suffering. There was no mourning. There was no sickness. There was no death. There were no politicians. Can I get an amen from somebody? Life, life was just the way, and there are good politicians. I know, I just, uh, just, just in case you are one, but be a good one if you are one. I'm, I'm just telling you, you there, there was no reason for people to be ruled. There, there was no reason for people to be led by anybody but the Spirit of God, but God himself. There was a time, if you look back, where everything was just as God intended it. And if you're not sure when that moment was or what that moment looked like, read your Bible. Go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And what you'll read is, in the beginning was the heavens and the earth, and there was no reason clear separation between the two because the glory of God filled both and one just sort of spilled into the other and God would simply walk with man in the cool of the day and there was this perfect relationship between man and God. There was this unbroken union. There was perfect harmony on earth. Everything was just as God intended it to be and man was blessed and God was rested and there was no fear or worry, anxiety. There was no trouble, disease or sickness or pain or death or loss of any kind. Only God and man, the heavens and the earth and the glory of God filled both. And so when we read a verse like Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 that says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Understand that is a longing to get back to the way things once were. If you're not familiar with the story and you're watching online or you're joining us on television in the Columbus area, in the Dayton area, if you're joining us from one of the hundreds of prisons that are tuned in right now from, from all across the nation, open your Bible. If you're, you're not familiar with this story, open your Bible and begin to read the book of Genesis. Start in chapter 1 and 2 and you'll see that it wasn't always this way. And then if you would read Isaiah chapter 14, there is recorded the moment where the sin of pride cost one of God's most gifted and creative angels in heaven his place in heaven when Satan was cast down from heaven to earth. Not only because did he, he think of himself as better than God, he thought of himself as God and he was struck down. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see this shift where Satan first tempts Eve in the garden, causes Eve to question the word of God. 
He says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And so begins this back and forth conversation where if you know the story, Eve ultimately compromises, as does Adam. And it doesn't seem like a great compromise, but it's just enough to disrupt everything that God had made. And with one decision to disregard the word of God, sin became a staple reality in our lives here on earth. And everything sin has touched, sin has destroyed. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, death spread to all men because all have sinned. This is the world that we know quite well. Not not the world as as God intended for it to be, but but the world as we've made it. We've, We've all made a mess of this world, and it all points back to the very moment that that man first disregarded the word of God. This is our world. And what we're all longing for is to maybe carve out a, a small place of heaven here on earth where we're we're all hoping and longing to to just sort of carve out a a little piece of heaven for ourselves on earth because this world as we know it is a world marred by sin impacted by sin sickness disease suffering and death we know that quite well and yet we also have this incredible hope Romans chapter 5, it continues by saying the gift who is Jesus is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, Adam, how much more does God's amazing grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Just as one sin, one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. Just as sin reigned in death, grace reigns through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How many of you know that's some really, really, really good news? Come on, somebody. That that is some incredible news. That though we have all been impacted and infected and affected by sin, that, that Jesus himself would become the cure for sin. That we have this hope because in the midst of our hopelessness, Jesus was willing not to stay on his throne in heaven, but to enter into this mess of a life that we've created. Jesus chose to stand with us in the midst of our hopelessness and to bear upon himself all of our sin that we might be made righteous through him. It's an incredible story. This is an incredible reality. And the reality is he is still standing with us. His spirit, his presence surrounds us. He was and he is. And Jesus always will be our only hope. He is the only hope we need. 
And it's encouraging to read from the book of Romans. It's, it's encouraging to, to read and, and to hear the, the words of, of Jesus repeated and echoed over and over and over again. But I think about those who we read about in the scripture, they, they had not met Jesus yet. They, they had not been taught by Jesus yet. They had not seen Jesus yet. They didn't have the book of Romans to open to and to be encouraged by. They, they'd never celebrated an Easter Sunday, a, a resurrection Sunday. There, there hadn't even been a Christmas yet. I think about Mary who hadn't met Jesus yet, Joseph, who hadn't met Jesus yet, the Magi, they hadn't met Jesus yet, the innkeeper, he hadn't met Jesus yet. All people that we're going to be learning from these next few weeks, what they knew was a world desperate for God to make himself known. I, I wonder how did they respond to the hardship of life, the challenge of life, all they knew was that for 400 years, when you, when you turn to the book of Matthew, when, when the New Testament opens, understand the people of God have been ghosted by God for 400 years. They, they've not heard anything new from him. Their lifetime, their parents' lifetime, their grandparents' lifetime, their great-grandparents' lifetime, nothing new from God, just hundreds upon hundreds of years old prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Imagine the anxiety of that moment. Imagine the fear in their heart as they began to wonder Though we've been told for generations now that God is faithful, though we've heard the promise, we, we know what the prophecy says, will God ever follow through on his word? Not only that, but they're living under Roman reign, and, and, and the Romans were not easy on the people of God. These were bitter, hard, and painful times. They've endured brutal suffering and persecution and injustice, so much so that understand the world that Jesus is born into would have made the years 2020 and 2021 look like the goldest of all golden years. Suffering was on a scale that, that we can't even begin to fathom. An injustice was on a scale that, that you would not even believe. Poverty was on a scale that, that just wouldn't even make sense. This is the world that Mary knew. This is the world that Joseph and the Magi and the innkeeper knew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We're going to study Mary in two weeks. We're going to look at Joseph today, the Magi next week, the innkeeper on Christmas Eve. And if I can just quick make sure everybody knows our, our most incredible, my, my, hands down my favorite worship experience of the year is our Christmas Eve candlelight experience. And we're offering that on three nights this year. Come on. December 22nd, 23rd, 24th. 
And I just want to encourage you to, to, to be here. If you're watching online or from a distance, be, be here. There's nothing like being in person for one of these incredible Christmas Eve candlelight experiences. Bring your family, bring your friends, bring your coworkers, your neighbors. Just, just pick up somebody along the road. Be safe about it, but pick them up and um, bring them to church. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be incredible. And, and, and while we're, we're plugging things, I, I do want to remind our church that next Sunday is Legacy Sunday. And, and that's the, the Sunday we, we've been asking our church for weeks now to just be mindful and prayerful about what you might bring as a legacy offering this year's end that will help us to fuel and further the, the legacy vision that God has given us into the new year, a vision that is beyond our current capacity today. But if we could all get behind this, here's what we can accomplish in the new year through this year-end legacy offering. We can open a safe home for victims of human trafficking in our city. We can expand the reach of the Columbus, Hilliard, and Delaware Dream Centers as well as to lock down a location and a staff to launch an Eastside Dream Center. We'll be able to open up more in-person prison locations throughout Ohio, plant more life-giving, spirit-filled churches all across the nation, and resource more local churches in disaster zones wherever and whenever disaster strikes. We'll be able to translate the Gospel of Luke into three brand new languages for people who have no access to any portion of the Gospel in their own language. We'll be able to plant a pastor into those people groups and plant the very first Christian church there. We'd like to increase our global support of pastors overseas on the front lines from 81 who are fully funded and supported by this church to at least 100, launch our Whitehall campus, finish Polaris, which is quite the project, and run quickly towards planting our first Rock City location somewhere outside the greater Columbus area. Anybody excited about the new vision? Come on. And I say we, we would like to, this is our New Year vision because our, our year-end legacy offering will, will fuel that. So I hope, I hope you're ready. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, y'all know what that means. I don't have to explain. We don't, we don't need to open a Bible commentary for that. She was found. Who found her? I'm not sure. This would have been quite a surprise, particularly for Joseph. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, what we need to know about Mary is Mary was a very ordinary, typical teenage girl. She, she found herself, she, she thought of herself unworthy to be used by God in such a profound way. Joseph, Joseph was an ordinary, typical, everyday guy by all accounts. And he's with this girl named Mary. They're pledged to be married and, and she's found to be with child. And Joseph knows that's not his child. And that's troublesome. How, how many of you know if you're Joseph, you've had better days? Anybody? Just can we be honest that he's had a better day than this? Because no matter how many times Mary repeats the line, Joseph, don't worry, this is God's baby. He's like, you never called me that. Who's God? I want, 
Where does he live? What town? I've got some word for God. I, 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 I've got something special for, for God. Who, who's God? Now, now we, we, we know Joseph is struggling in his mind. We, we joke about this, but we know that he's struggling because the next verse tells us that because he was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace which means that if, if he could have planned this out, he'd have planned it different than this. He, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I want you to notice those two lines, did not want to, had in mind. How, how many of you, like Joseph, God was doing something in your life, but the plan of God started to actually disrupt the plan that, that you had, and, and so you had in mind, Lord, I'd do something different than what you're doing. He did not want to. Anybody ever open the word and, and you read the word of God and you know what God is saying to you, but, 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 but you have in mind something different. I, I do not want to align to this. This, this, is, this is going to be a, a, a tall order for me. And so if I could just find a, a, an alternative route around this, Joseph did not want to. Joseph had in mind something different. This was not the start, according to Joseph, the best start to this story of Jesus coming from heaven to earth. And we know that Joseph is having trouble with this because it tells us in verse 20 that after he had considered a different plan, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Now, why would an angel appear to Joseph in a dream and first tell Joseph, do not be afraid? I, I think it's safe to assume that Joseph was struggling with a bit of fear in this moment. He could not make sense of this moment. This moment was not working out the way he'd anticipated this moment to work out. And what Joseph must be feeling in this moment is if this is truly God's child, if this is truly God's plan, then God's child and God's plan has made a complication of my own. God's way, God's plan is complicating my own plan. And he's thinking about the, the potential fallout. He, he's thinking about his reputation and her reputation. And what God is saying to Joseph in this moment is, will you trust me? Even when what I'm doing interrupts your plan, will you trust me? Even when you can't make sense of what's happening in your life and all around you, will you trust me and, and will you follow me? Or will you allow fear to drive you from me? You see, I think it's interesting as you read the opening of this story, this is what Joseph is about to allow to happen to him. He's, he's about to allow fear to drive him from Jesus. And if I've seen anything these past 20 months or so, I've, I've seen so many people in the church. You have allowed fear to drive you further from God. Joseph had in mind to divorce his wife quietly, 
which means he's not just separating himself from her. He, he's separating himself from Jesus. He's separating himself from the family. And if I've seen anything over the past 20 months, I, I just need to kind of wake some people up today. There, there are too many people who belong to this family. You, you've allowed fear to drive a wedge between you and your family, you, you've allowed a fence from 2020 to drive a wedge between you and your family. You, you're, you're allowing continued separation to, to, to drive a wedge between you and your family. Joseph was about to allow fear to drive him away from Jesus. He's got a decision to make. Will I trust God and will I, will I follow God's plan or will I allow fear to drive me farther from God? And the first thing the angel tells Joseph is do not be afraid. That is the most frequent command given in all the word of God. Do not be afraid. The reason I think God has to repeat that command over and over is we're all prone to fear. If you're afraid ever in life, it, it doesn't make you wrong. It makes you human. Joseph battled fear. I battle fear. You will battle fear. And if we've learned anything about fear, we're all prone to fear that which we can't quite make sense of, that which we don't quite understand. And, and we've learned in this season that fear is crippling and, and fear is binding and fear is one of the most powerful and destructive forces on earth. And yet fear does not come from God. Fear does not come from God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear does not come from God. Matter of fact, the only fear we're told to embrace by God is found in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what, what, what fearing the Lord means is it means living with a deep and reverent awareness of God. It is the acknowledgement that God is God, that, that nothing compares to God, that, that, that nothing is as big as God, that he is all-powerful and ever-present, that, that, that nothing is greater than God. And, and when I'm living with a reverent fear of God, I don't have to fear anything or anyone else. What's happening in the world is to, to today is we've disregarded God for so long. We've, we've removed God from public spaces and places. We, we've replaced a, a rational, reverent fear of God for fear of anything but God. And the world has done lost its mind. That's because people who are crippled with fear aren't the people who will tend to make the wisest decisions. That's why there are so many unwise decisions being made in the world right now. That they're decisions being made out of a place of fear. And, and here's what I don't understand, church. I can understand in this season why there would be so many people in the world right now living with a constant state of crippling fear. I understand that. What I don't understand is how there can be so many people of faith who are living the same way as the rest of the world. I don't understand. 
It doesn't make any sense how, how we as people of faith would be living with, with such crippling fear like everybody else. Matter of fact, if I can just ex encourage you even beyond this point as to say, if you are a person of faith, any fear outside of the fear of God is irrational fear. Because at the end of the day, if you're a person of faith, you've just got to ask yourself, is God God or is he not? Is his word his word or is it not? Is my outcome guaranteed or is it not? Has heaven been promised or has it not? Am I guaranteed eternal life or am I not? Is God bigger than my biggest issue or is he not? Is God greater than my greatest adversary or is he not? Is God healer or is he not? Is God provider or is he not? Is God faithful or is he not? Does the peace of God surpass my understanding or does it not? Does the presence of God surround me no matter what other hell surrounds me or does he not? I don't understand. If you're a person of faith, fear at its core is faith misplaced. Fear at its core is faith in the, the worst case possible scenario instead of the guaranteed promise and outcome that's been given us by the word. If you're a person of faith, hear the word of the Lord today. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Hear the, the promise of Jesus who said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. The fear of man will prove to be a snare to you, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So what then shall I say in response to my fear? If God is for me, who can be against me? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom, of what shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Watch what he says next. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek. Not, not, not to, to take all of these issues away, not, 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 to, not to take COVID away, not, not, not to take all of my anxiety away. It, it, he says this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock church we've got to get back to the promise of his word we've got to get back to the promise of his word in moments of uncertainty, when fear is gripping the hearts of men all around the world, the church ought not be in hiding. The church ought to be standing high up on a rock. The light of Jesus shines the brightest in the darkest of dark nights. 
We ought not be running from danger. We ought be running into danger. We ought not be running away from people who are sick. We ought to be engaging those who are sick. We ought not be running away from trouble. We ought to be engaging the trouble of the world. We are the salt and light of the earth. Salt makes things better, salt preserves, light shines brightness into every dark circumstance and situation. That's what we've been called to be. Do not be afraid, he said to Joseph, to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give him she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will, will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and he took Mary home as his wife. What can we learn from Joseph who's choosing to trust God in the midst of a very scary moment in his life? Number one, Joseph chose not to run from God, but to stay close. He stayed connected to his family. He, he stayed connected to Jesus, though fear sought to drive him away, Joseph chose to remain. And I'm sure if we were to ask Joseph today, are you glad you, you stayed? He'd say more than you could ever possibly know. He might even say this, fear cannot exist in his presence. And so the closer I stay to Jesus, the the less and less I have an issue with fearing anyone or anything because I'm close, I'm close to Jesus. Number two, he was quick to follow the word. The Bible says when Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. You wanna be woke like Joseph? Is that the goal today to be as woke as woke can be, you want to be woke like Joseph, be quick to follow the word. Don't be quick to, to run and follow the headlines. Don't be quick to follow your friends. Be quick to follow the word. When Joseph woke, he didn't phone a friend. He didn't look to see what the latest headline says. You, you read the latest headline, it's amazing. The latest headline will say something like, and just count on this every couple of months, new variant this, new variant that, um, dot, dot, dot at the very bottom. We really don't know what we're talking about. We have no idea. We, 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 we've, we're still studying this, but, but, but while we're figuring it out, be afraid, be very afraid, be very, very, very afraid because this new one might be worse than, could be worse than it. If all the stars align and, and the galaxies align and if everything would work out just, just right there, there's a chance maybe possibly could be that it might be worse than the last one. So be afraid, click this headline. And you know what, it's really easy to tell who are the, 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 the men of God, the women of God who are spending more time in the headlines than you're spending in the Word because the people who spend more time in the Word are the people who aren't afraid. The people who are spending more time with the headlines, those are the people that are fearful. What are you filling your heart with? What are you filling your mind with? You wanna be woke? Follow the Word. 
follow the word. Stop following everybody else. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, which means I don't have to fear death. It's not the end. It's not the end. I have an eternal home in heaven, not built by human hands. For while I'm in this tent, I groan, I'm burdened. We all do because we don't wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling that what is mortal may one day be swallowed up by life. The one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? Revelation 21, verse three and four, God's dwelling place will once and again, full circle back to Genesis chapter one. In chapter two, God's dwelling place will once again and forever and always be among his people. He will dwell with us and we will dwell with him and he will be our God full circle and he'll wipe every tear from our eyes there there will be no more death no more mourning no crying or pain for the old order of things will pass away and he who is seated on the throne of heaven Jesus said I am making everything new and go ahead write down my word says the Lord these words are trustworthy and true. That's what's guaranteed. There is no reason to fear. Joseph stayed close. Joseph was quick to follow and he was consistent. He was consistent to follow. That consistency for Joseph, it started right away. The, the Bible says that, that, that he had no union with Mary until she gave birth to a son, not the honeymoon. I promise you, Joseph was, was anticipating. He, he had to wake up every day and go to sleep every night deciding, will I honor God again today? It, it's honestly what, what a whole lot of Christian men need to start deciding because you're not treating that, that Christian woman that you're with who you're not married to yet. You're not treating her the way God desires for you to treat her Joseph he had to decide am I going to make a decision today that I'm going to break tomorrow or will every day I be consistent and honor her and by honoring her I'm honoring the Lord he honored her read his story time after time the angel of the Lord would appear to Joseph and he would say hey pack up go here and Joseph would pack up and go there and then the angel of the Lord would say, Joseph, go back. It's all clear. I know there were people trying to kill Jesus, but it's all clear. He, he didn't have to, 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 to wait for word to make sure that what the angel of the Lord had said is, was, was really true. He, he just said, if you're telling me it's clear, it's clear. I understand that, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And because the Lord is good and always good, then every step you've planned for me, it must be good. It must be according to your will, your plan. And so I can walk with you consistently and trust you because you're incredible. You're amazing. You're faithful. You're good. You've got me. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you, you want a piece of heaven on earth? The kingdom of God is in your midst. 
You want a piece of heaven on earth? If you're saved right now, the Spirit of God fills you, indwells inside of you. You have the greatest piece of heaven inside of you right now. I know there's trouble that surrounds you. I know the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I know people are losing their minds. I know there will always be reason to worry and to fear. But greater is he inside of you than he who is in this world. The spirit of God is inside of you. The strength of God is inside of you. The healing power of God is inside of you. The wisdom of God is inside of you. You have no reason to worry. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him. Trust in the Lord. Trust in him. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will guide you. He's incredible. He is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never abandon you. He's got you in the palm of his hand and he will see through his every good work. We can take his word to the bank because he's the one who spoke it. He's the one who's promised it. And there is no one like our God. Amen. There's no one like our God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Let me pray over you. Lord, we need your spirit like never before. to move through your church, your church gathered and your church scattered and your church in hiding and your church alone and your church in prison cells. We need your spirit to move like never before, to, ch to break the chains of the spirit of fear, anxiety, worry, in Jesus' name, we, we need your spirit to break the spirit of confusion that is beginning to take hold of people's hearts, even in the church. We need your, the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit to breathe new life and new vision and in a sense of peace and strength and courage and faith into every heart, into every home. Right now, would you do that? Lord, would you begin to break those chains? There's freedom in your presence. There, there, there's freedom in your presence and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is the word of the Lord. Would you set people free? In Jesus' name. If you're watching, if you're here and you'd say, you know what? I'm not a person of faith, but I need to be forgiven. I know that I'm a sinner. The Bible says everybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You will be forgiven when you put your faith in him. No matter who you are or what you've done. So if you're here with me now, would you just pray this prayer? You want to be saved? You want to be forgiven? You want to know that, that you have a guaranteed place in heaven with, with Jesus? When, when, you, when, you, when you're finished passing through this short time we spend on earth? Just say, Jesus, here I am. I need you. 
Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me through and through. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. As I receive salvation from you now, forgiveness from you now, guaranteed eternal life from you now, I thank you. I'm choosing to live my life for you. I want to make a difference for you as you've just made the greatest difference in me. In Jesus' name, King of kings and Lord of lords, greater than in Jesus' name, everybody said amen.